You are listening to Joygasm, where we chat about video games, movies, and pop culture. I'm Russ, Xbox Live, Toaster360. You know who that bald and beautiful boy is across from me. That's right. He's Steve, Xbox Live, Stevevich. And returning on this episode is our good old friend, Brad, who is going to be wishing all of you a happy new year on episode 102 today, December 28th. 2018. We're going to forgo gaming news, movie news, and even this week in game and movie anniversaries. And instead, we are going to focus primarily on our favorite movies of 2018, which is a bit of a two-parter. The first part from last week, we focused on our favorite games of 2018, which was the, the top five. And so we thought it'd be fun to make a triumphant return and do the movie side of things, which, of course, is the, the only appropriate thing to do. Bradley, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, good sir? Oh, I'm very, very good, Russell. How are you tonight? I'm good. I'm very good. We just got back from seeing Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which I was just absolutely determined to see before we record this episode because I've been hearing a lot of great things about it. So we we are coming fresh off that bandwagon. So what did you think? You want to give us a little preview of uh, some of your thoughts on Into the Spider-Verse? Oh, I can definitely. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go into it. You know, I'll start... I was going to start with you, but I'm going to, I'm going to start with me this time. I'm going to be, I'm going to be selfish. There you go. So what have you been up to this week? Thank you. Thank you. So for me, I have been actually on a movie watching binge, primarily speaking, just because this uh, podcast was coming up. And so I've been going to the theater like crazy. There's been a lot that has dropped just within this past month, some of which not so good. Others that have been just a, a, a real fun romp through, so to speak. So went through, I'm just starting off again. So just with Spider-Man since that's the most recent thing that we saw, uh, really did enjoy it a lot. So I'm, I'm definitely thinking it probably does have a place in my top five movies of the year. I'm kind of ping-ponging it around. I'm going to try and figure out where it's going to land exactly, but um, just really loved the the art direction in that movie, which I knew I would just because from the judging from the trailer itself, there was a very unique style that they were trying to kind of toy with and flirt with, and I think that they were very successful with it. I thought it was just a very visual tour de force, so to speak, and the, the storyline also was very engaging. Uh, I really, for me, when I look at the comic books, I have never read the spider verse. Uh, I don't even know how to really describe it, but basically that version of Spider-Man, I was always reading kind of the classic Peter Parker, amazing Spider-Man. And so it was a fun experience for me personally, to be able to go through this particular movie, find out about some of these other spider people that live in these parallel dimensions and I could see how having this this sort of spider verse really just opens the creative door for possibilities and be able to tell some other very entertaining stories. And so, yeah, I, I really did dig it. I also just within the last like week or so, I want to say I went and saw the movie Vice. I also saw Mary Poppins. So you've been binging. I have been binging. Yes. 
Uh, I'm trying to remember if there were any other movies I saw at the theater. Aquaman. Oh, that's right. We saw Aquaman. <laughs> you should have said I am Aquaman, but in that like gurgle sound. Oh, he's he's taking. Let's see. There you go. That's close ah, enough. No, I was gonna have to spew it all in your face there. Remember, man, I just want. <laughs> I'm gonna stop right there. You get an E for effort. How about that? <laughs> No, but it was, it, I will. Okay. So with Aquaman, I'll just quickly go through these Aquaman itself. I thought it was very cheesy, but fun. Like there were things about it that I thought were fun. And Jason Momoa definitely carried that film. I think if there was anyone else who played that character as opposed to, to him, I think the movie would have just absolutely failed miserably. But I do think that, he, I've said this from the very beginning, I think he is a wonderful pick to play the part. I think that it the movie almost kind of suffered from not like doing enough takes in a way. Like some of this, the, the, the way the lines were delivered, the lines of dialogue, I felt like if they had just one more take, they could have nailed some of the dialogue. Um, but they, they just didn't do that in certain parts. And so it, it was definitely cheesy in certain areas. And I mean, even some of the, um, the outfits, not a lot, mind you, but just like mostly like the soldier, like the aqua, I can't remember. What, what, what's, the, what's the land that he's from? Is it, Atl it's not Atlantis. Is it, it is Atlantis. So, it is Atlantis. Yeah. So the okay, aqua it is force costumes you didn't care for. Yeah. So, so I, I thought that like concept wise, they looked pretty cool, but I felt like they just, the, the execution of the practical costumes themselves. And I think Steve and I talked about this, like they looked a little too plasticky. Yeah. And which is, you know, it's just unfortunate because I thought there were some novel ideas with how they were approaching some of that. Um, but aside from, from some of the cheesiness, I mean, visually speaking, what a gorgeous movie. I mean, there, there was just a metric ton of, underwater visuals. It was just such a spectacle at times. And I was talking to Steve about this too. I really appreciated the enthusiasm that you could feel from the movie. Like you could tell the director really had a fun time putting this movie together and got the, the cast and crew excited about what they were doing. And I, I, I feel like I need to commend him on that just because knowing what a challenge it is to get into a movie like Aquaman, because the, the source material itself, it's not as easy to accept and digest as opposed to something like Spider-Man or Captain America or some of the more popular um, comic book characters out there, you know, especially in the DC universe, obviously Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, those are going to be much more quick to have kind of that acceptance factor in there. And so I, I don't know. For me, like, I think that that was really commendable on his part. Also, the music. The music was super cool. I really appreciated how they took some some risks in that. There was kind of that Stranger Things 80s synthesizer sounds that were in there. I would say a couple of times it was a little bit too much. But by and large, a lot of it, I'm just like, man, this is this is really good. So... Anyway, needless to say, it, 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 <laughs> that movie did not make my top five. But um, but I still <laughs> think that, that there were things about it that I, I do appreciate. I am curious to see where they take it moving forward. 
um, really did like, like I, I enjoyed seeing Nicole Kidman back in, in a role that's kind of like that, you know, that's a lot of fun. So, um, just having those, those, those little nuggets in there. Um, I think that overall it, it was really good. Now vice on the other hand, I really didn't care for at all. I was actually looking forward to that quite a bit and I'm a fan of the director cause he did the big short. Have you seen that Bradley? I have. That's a good one. That's a really good okay, movie. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Steve's seen it too. And I, I really liked his combination of t- like just kind of chronicling what was going on during that time period around 2007, 2008 with the financial crisis. But he also injected a lot of humor and a lot of just really quick wit. That was, I don't know. I just felt like it was really sharp. It was a really neat way to be able to educate the public on a very serious situation that took place. And it's, it's almost like one of those like, like uh, edutainment kind of things in a way. But like, I just, I love the cast from that movie and I loved how they approach the source material because it's a pretty heavy topic to discuss when you think about it. And I'm glad that he didn't shy away from it necessarily. But when he came to vice, like on the one hand, you have a bunch of actors that are just so talented. They're, they're absolutely brilliant at at their craft and it's no different when you see it in this movie. I think the problem though was that the humor portion of it got completely taken away and so now you have more of just this I don't know, kind of serious movie of sorts that that focuses around the the W Bush administration. Ideally it was supposed to focus around um Cheney, which it does, but you have a lot of the other uh characters in the roles such as like Donald Rumsfeld and W and um, Cheney's wife and um, Colin Powell. There's quite a few of them in there. And I just wish that there was still that approach that he took with the big short. So I was actually, and I was looking forward to that movie so much. I was anticipating that was also going to be in my top five, but alas, it is not. And of course, Mary Poppins. Have you seen Mary Poppins, Bradley? I have not. We, uh, we have some friends who've seen it. it seems to be getting very uh, mixed reviews, so it hasn't made its way to the top of the list for us to go see. But it is one we're considering to go see this weekend. So I'd love to hear your uh, your take on it. So I really do recommend going to see Mary Poppins. And that is saying something because I'm a huge fan of the original. I love Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke. I think that they are terrific in that movie. I think it's one of those like classic movies that just... It doesn't matter who you are. You watch it and it's like, man, this is like just good family fun. And I think that that was um, a very large shoe to fill for Disney to have a sequel come out simply because obviously you're not dealing with the same cast. And I think Emily Blunt did a terrific job. Obviously, she will never replace Julie Andrews, but I do think that she did a really nice job, all things considered. First of all, the woman can sing. I was very pleasantly Mm -hmm. surprised to listen to her sing. She's got a lovely voice. And also on top of that, she just, you know, Emily Blunt is one of those, those people who you don't really see her smile all that much. She's, she's a bit more reserved. And so in this movie seeing, I mean, she's got a dynamite smile too. I mean, like the, I, I really do feel like this role was 
an opportunity for her to really branch out and, and demonstrate a bit more of what she's capable of when it comes to acting. And I mean, I've seen her on, on talk shows and she's a lot more laid back than a lot of the, the promotional materials and the marketing materials that you see. They tend to try and draw out more of the, the stoic side of her and that sort of thing. But on her, on the talk shows and stuff, she's way more just, you know, smiley, relaxed, great sense of humor, all that kind of stuff. And so it was fun to be able to see that in action when it comes to a movie. So um, I, if you end up seeing it, I would love to be able to talk to you about it later on just to see what your thoughts are. But absolutely. Anyway. Yeah, I do think uh, on that note, I think Emily Blunt is one of the more underrated actors in yes. Hollywood today. I, I You know, looking at some of the movies that she's done, and actually one of her movies is in my top five. A little bit of a spoiler there. Oh, uh, I bet I know what it is. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. But she's uh, she's fantastic. Everything she's been in, you know, she just, it, almost like a Meryl Streep where she just kind of blends in with the cast and you go, oh, that's Emily Blunt. I didn't even realize. Um, so really, <laughs> really, I think she's somebody who uh, <laughs> is just waiting for that one role to catapult her to success and she'll she'll be right up there with everybody else. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, you, you look like you were thinking of something. No, no, I was just saying, uh, Brad's last day when I was just thinking yeah, in the theater, you were watching, oh, Emily Blunt, what's she doing there? <laughs> I didn't recognize her anyway. <laughs> moving on. Oh, another side <laughs> note too, the outfits that they uh, created for Mary Poppins in this movie are super stylish. It was, I was not anticipating walking and going, oh, well, those outfits are amazing. But like, First of all, the movie takes place kind of, I think, in the 20s, I want to say, 20s or 30s-ish, somewhere around there. But sure, whoever did the wardrobe styling, kudos to them, because there was a lot of stuff in there to just really just admire and appreciate. So the only other thing that I can say, and I was doing that was not movie watching this week, is of course playing more Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, Brad's going to hate you for that, Rose. I know. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> kidding, <Brad. laughs> I'm uh, I'm in the, uh, the epilogue <laughs> phase. I'm in epilogue. Uh, you know what? I just made it to epilogue part two. So mm. I'm in the, the very last throws of that game. And so uh, only four more hours I know, hours four to more hours. So that's what's new with me. Bradley, I'm going to hit it back to you. What have you been up to this week? You know, this week, it's uh, been a good week. Been a good week with Christmas starting out the week. Uh, had a chance to play some games. I actually was able to finish the third Spider-Man DLC earlier this week and really enjoyed the DLC for that game. It isn't quite as good as the original story or the original uh, main game there, but definitely worth picking up after you finish out the the main portion of the game. Uh, also started a, a new game that I hadn't even heard of and somebody recommended called The Gardens Between. Have either of you guys heard of this one? No, I'm going to say no. So it's uh, it's actually free on Game Pass, which makes it even better. But it's just it's a puzzle game. It's a it's a visual puzzle game. You're controlling two characters and trying to, to get them to work their way through a world that rotates. It's, it's kind of tough oh. to explain as I'm moving my hands here, but you can't see that, so it doesn't do any good. <laughs> um, so, you know, each character does something slightly different. 
but you're basically moving time forward and moving time backwards. And that's that's the general mechanic for the puzzles. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, free on Game Pass on Xbox, or I think it's like 12 bucks on PS4. So I'd, I'd recommend picking that one up if you want to play a quick, easy visual puzzle game. And then the other game I played through earlier this week was Mega Man 11. Oh, so this one came out. Uh, yeah, it came out just a few months ago. Um, I was a big fan of the Mega Man games back in the the old Nintendo Super Nintendo days. And I kind of fell off them like a lot of folks did. Haven't played one in a while and ended up getting a copy of Mega Man 11 for Christmas. And it's a lot of fun. They, they've updated the art style, added a couple new mechanics to it. So if you're a an old Mega Man fan looking for something to jump back in at a pretty reasonable cost, I think it's it's like 20 bucks on Xbox right now. It's worth checking out. So did those are kind of the games that I've been playing. Did they do the 2.5D with that Mega Man game? So it's um, almost a cell shaded style on the just the um the 2d background so there's a little bit of 2.5 but it's really more of a 2d type play okay well i may have to check that out it's been a while since i played a Mega Man game as it has for me and i forgot how hard those games are um you know maybe it's because i'm getting older but i'm just not as quick and uh, not as good at those type of quick reflex games as i used to be back when i was 13 years old but uh, this one has some a pretty big variety of uh, difficulty levels it's also got some different items you can buy to kind of help protect you so it's uh, it's good. It's definitely worth checking out at a pretty reasonable cost. Um, the the bosses are fun. They actually have two modes for each boss. So once you get them down to a certain health level, then they do their their special attack or their super attack. So it's a pretty cool twist on the old Mega Man uh, game. So it's definitely worth checking out. Right on. Steve. Yes. How are you doing? What is going on with you? Any, any big news uh, in your world, Steve? Well, Russ, uh, I'm an engaged man. Oh, congratulations. Congrats, engaged Steve. man. Thank you, Bradley. It is official. Yes, indeed. You put a ring on it. I did put you a now? ring on it. If you like it, put a ring on it. If you like it. Okay, never mind. So, yeah. No, that's that's the big news. Um, and he, I, I will tell you. Boys, <laughs> when I came home from work recently, I came upstairs and I turned the corner only to find the little lady in front of my Xbox. Uh-huh. She turned to face me as I walked up the stairs and said, your Xbox needs an update. Can I update it? And I thought, oh, be still my beating heart. Oh. And then she was saying, I want to play Mario Kart. I like that. I don't I don't I don't want to have that. that, that <laughs> and then Russ's. suddenly um, you realized you have to educate. Yes. And then she says, uh, Crash Bandicoot. And I thought, I, I, I might be able to help you with that. I have Russ's uh, hard drive <laughs> for the PlayStation. Holding my hard drive hostage. Yeah. So we got we, you don't have it on there though, Russ. No, not not Crash Bandicoot. Right, and she was one to play the uh, the Crash Bandicoot racing. Uh-huh. That's not out yet either, though. So she ran to Target uh-huh. and she bought Crash Bandicoot on Xbox One. Really? Yes. Is this the first Xbox title she has ever bought? 
Uh, yes. Well, Steve, looks like you chose wisely. So uh, that was amazing. And so she was playing a bunch of Crash Bandicoot. Played it again today when I came home from work. I thought, yes, this is awesome. Yeah. And Crash Bandicoot does look amazing, but it is a platformer. And I forgot how much I don't really care for platformers. (laughs) 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 Yeah, you were more of the race car boy Uh, back in the day. You were not as much of the... I I was more of the platformer guy. Yeah, I always watched you playing Crash. I'm like, okay, time your jumps. Don't get squished. You only have five lives. You're going to start the whole entire level over again. What is it you collect in that? Was it bananas or pineapples? It's like, like, like... Half halfly ripened apples or something. That's right. It was like peaches or yeah. something like that. Some kind of fruit. And it was all about the crates. Yes. All about the crates, yep. Russ. I remember that. I remember liking the music in that game, too. Yeah. Kind of fun. So, otherwise, I did show her Red Dead Redemption. She wasn't very interested in that, though. Really? Yeah. I, mean, I think I just got to sit her front of the TV, maybe tired of the chair a little bit, and make her watch me play <laughs> And then, and then she'll get interested. Bust out your own personal lasso and hog tires so she'll watch. Yeah. Like this. <laughs> you You're taking it a little too far. You sit there, you're all like it. It's good for the podcast. <laughs> watch as I brush my horse. Yeah. See how dusty it is? Um, let's see. But she was uh, having me watch a couple episodes of Black Mirror. On uh, I have never watched that. Uh, Apparently, yeah. Uh, did you start have you watched the, it, Brad? A little bit. Have you start? Did you start with the first episode, or did she jump you in halfway through? Uh, she jumped me in halfway through. I mean, I I think from what I understand, they're all like they don't they're not connected. They all are all different kind of stories. Correct. Hmm. It's kind of a Twilight Zone style, but yeah, the first episode is uh got some challenge to it. I'll put it that way. It, the first episode turned me off, and I I keep wanting to get back to it, but uh, have not had a chance. Yeah, no, it was definitely interesting. I I don't know if I'll keep watching it she definitely likes it a lot but anyhow uh she had me watch love actually right around christmas time and i can't get some of the music out of my head from that Uh, you know i was surprised too there's a lot of very casual nudity in the movie i'm like women like this movie there's like okay um wow there's more all right okay The only question I have for you, Steve, is was there any man boob? Don't recall any man boob, Russ. Oh, color me disappointed. Actually, but there, what's the actor's name who played Bilbo in The Hobbit? The Bilbo in The Oh, not, 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 yes, Martin Freeman. There is Martin Freeman boob in it. Really? Yes. Now I'm curious. I've always wanted to know what Martin Freeman boob looks like. Does that wet your whistle there, Russ? Yeah, it, 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 it's piqued my curiosity. Yeah. But that's that's been really about it for me. Um, it's all about romance, Russ. It's all about romance and chick flicks. Well, I'm definitely happy for you. I think it's fantastic that you are engaged. Congratulations to you, good sir. Thank you. I look forward to finding out just what exactly uh, the details are of the wedding. So very, very nice and astute indeed. Oh, well, I do have to say. Okay, so I did watch Aquaman and having you here spewing all about the movie without asking any of us what our take was on it, I'm going to give it to you. (laughs) 
Well, I was just, I was simply going through what was new with me. So please enlighten me, Steve. Uh, I'd have to wholeheartedly agree with um, Mr. Bradley. Ah. So, yeah, the movie started off pretty much terrible, I thought. No buildup whatsoever. Just kind of slammed you right in there. This is the story. Here how it goes. And this is what it's going to be. And then it was green screen upon green screen upon green screen from there. I thought, man, you... Show us some real underwater it stuff. Was, and it then was pretty green teen yeah. Green yeah. screen test, excuse me. Um, you know, I thought Mr. Uh, Mimoa, Mimosa. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have to agree with you there, but I think the, uh, I don't know, screenwriters, scriptwriters, whatever, missed a big opportunity. I think if they took the direction of, like, where they went with, um, like, mm-hmm. Man of Steel, for example, mm-hmm. made, took a more serious note, I think it would have been cool. Uh, but how they did it, it was so fast and they just threw everything out. You, I mean, it was long, but it seemed like they didn't really care to really build him up. I think if they, they took their time a little longer, uh, maybe more of a serious note, I think it would have been better, but there was too much of this, ha ha, I'm a superhero kind of thing. Oh, you could have peed <laughs> on it. Oh, redheads, <laughs> jump out of a plane. Like, I don't know. It, it, that just started to lose it for me. Uh-huh. Um, I know there was some part of comic relief, but even some of the action, I, I was just real kind of passable. It was CG galore. And, but the thing is, I went into it with low expectations. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was better than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> that's not saying a whole lot. You're not, you're not saying it was a train wreck. No. But you're also saying it was not a movie that you're going to watch over and over. No, over. yeah. I mean, it was better than Justice League. I will say that. Uh-huh. It was a lot better than Justice League. Yeah. But, um I'm not really going to recommend it. Since we're talking about that again, one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie actually was at the beginning when you first discover Nicole Kidman and you see how she met um, Aquaman's dad. I thought that 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 was actually really well done. I believed it. I didn't think it was cheesy or corny. I thought that was actually one of the more heartfelt things. The ending was heartfelt. And yeah, and the ending too was very heartfelt. It was like the beginning and the end were like, Man, like, it would be cool if, like, the whole movie had this kind of vibe going for it. Um, But, yeah. You just like the part when Nicole Kidman ate the goldfish. You know what? Actually, that part (laughs) looks very fake. (laughs) That goldfish. You mean she didn't eat a real goldfish? Come on. You know, I have become very picky as to how goldfish are consumed in cinema, just simply because after watching uh, The Wolf of Wall Street... Where, um, oh, what is his name? It's the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. No, it's, no, it's not Leo, but it's it's the real <laughs> no, funny guy, Jonah. Jonah Hill. Hill. Thank you, sir. Yeah, J- Jonah Hill. Um, yeah. Now that right there was pretty realistic, and so I kind of compare all future consumption of goldfish by that particular movie. Did you ever see that movie? As long as you've yeah. got your standard. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's what counts. Well, anyway, is there anything else, Steve? I, I don't want to want to cut you off prematurely here. Well, um, any games you've been playing? No, I've, I've told you about the games. Yeah, you've you've been uh, entertaining the the fiance now, no longer the girlfriend. Are you getting right. used to the the name change, the title change? Yes, I am. I actually I referred to her as a girlfriend a couple of times at work, but. Um, I corrected myself. <laughs> that happens. It happens to us all. I think that there, I know I can speak for myself. There were a few times where I kind of slipped up and continued saying girlfriend. I went, oh, not <laughs> any I, longer. I mean, a special lady friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> well, let's segue into our topic of the day, shall we? topic of the day is our favorite movies of the year. And if you had tuned in last week, you would have listened to us talk about how we are having fun with it from the standpoint of doing our top five movies of the year. And of course, uh, we have not seen it each and every uh, flick that has come out over this past year. So please don't hold us too much to the fire when it comes to that. So instead, we're just simply looking at the movies that we have seen, which we have seen a fair amount of flicks, I must say. Just hold Brad to the fire because he's seen a lot more than us. <laughs> yeah, Brad's <laughs> probably seen a whole lot more. <laughs> we have a scapegoat. Yeah, really. Yeah, exactly. We have a patsy. Good. Uh, but no, like we, we thought it'd be fun to be able to have a, a part two of sorts with this and do a round robin. So we will each take turns talking about... Um, our number five pick, our number four pick, and so on and so forth, all the way up until we hit our number one top favorite movie of 2018. My question is, who would like to go first? Well, Brad's a special guest, Russ. I uh, believe the common courtesy, uh, the polite like thing the to do. Think, Bradley, could, would you be so kind as to get us started with your number five pick? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I will say I, I had a hard time with my movie list this year. I, I ran through the list of movies for the year. I really didn't have a lot that stood out. Uh, I found TV shows, quite honestly, better than most of the movies that I'd seen for the year. But all of that being said, I did come up with my top five for the year. So number five, Black Panther. Ah, yes. So that one, uh, you know, it actually reminds me as we're talking about Aquaman a lot today, Black Panther kind of reminds me of Aquaman. One of those characters who I knew a little bit about, but not a whole lot. Didn't know the backstory, didn't know the side characters. It wasn't a comic I had ever read. So I wasn't too sure going into the movie what to expect out of Black Panther. And it is one that quickly became one of my favorites within the entire Marvel universe. Um, I think Black Panther's right up there for me with some of the Captain America movies. And I loved it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was superbly acted. I thought the story was good. Killmonger, arguably the best villain thus far in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So top to bottom, Black Panther was one that, uh, that I just enjoyed. Um, it's actually... Of the Marvel movies, I think I've already watched it three or four times, which is rare. Most of the Marvel movies I'll watch once or twice and and call it a day. But I really enjoyed Black Panther, so it earned its spot at number five. Very nice. Very nice. Steve, what is your number five pick? I would also have to say Black Panther. Oh! Um, and the reason it makes five and not higher is that I think they, um, I don't know if it was Disney or whoever it was. I think they, they low budgeted the movie a bit. Uh, I think I, I may have said this when we reviewed the movie, but 
it seemed like towards the end, uh, some of the CG started to fall apart, uh, at least for me. I don't know. Maybe it's my old eyes, Brad. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I love the, 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 the storytelling and I love the, the, the time they took uh, developing uh, Black Panther and all the characters, Wakanda, um, the story they 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 they, they hashed out the, the 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 villain like you said, Killmonger was, was wonderful. He didn't have to be a superhero. He was just a real tough guy, and he had a, a, a great motive or um, uh, motivation for doing what he was doing. Um, I thought the music was great. The visuals were great. Uh, I I loved. I mean, the female cast was ridiculous. Yeah, that was cool. I I, I did think. Yeah, just. Towards, toward the end, like the story started to uh, maybe shake up a little bit, which and the CG started to fall apart, which basically the two reasons why uh, I didn't make higher on my list. But um, it's in my Netflix queue. I will be watching it again. I, I I thought I would watch it a few more times before this show, but I will be watching it again. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Well, this is going to shock you guys. But my number five pick is also Black Panther from 2018. <laughs> Man, if there, if you were here with us, Bradley, we would just be able to do kind of a Power Rangers style high five. It'd be awesome. Although I don't know which uh, color I would be, but that's besides the point. Pink. When it comes You're to Black, pink. I, you know, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> when it comes to Black Panther, um, this was also I'm I'm in the same boat as you guys. This was not a comic book that I read and I didn't really even know that the the character existed until I saw it be previewed in the uh the silver screen. So I was very I don't know it's it's one of those those, those stories where I'm reminded of Guardians of the Galaxy where that too was not a comic book that I read. And so to me, it was a risk for Disney and the MCU to actually take a chance on a property that is not as well known because it's not just us, mind you. There are a lot of the masses out there who don't really read those particular comics. And of course, Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the best movies that um, the MCU has made. And I really do feel that Black Panther is up there too. It's one of the best movies that, that Marvel has made. And... I think one of the one of the cool things about it is like you know the the term Black Panther tends to have a lot of controversy surrounding it just based in the real world and so I thought it was really neat to see how this was able to take it into a completely different direction and have unanimous just interest and support and wonderment go behind it. And I think that that's really saying a lot. And I think that the story itself was one of the most heartfelt stories of the year. I absolutely loved the family dynamics of black Panther, where we got to learn about who he was, um, just who his father was, who his uncle was, who his sister is, that sort of thing. And, and just seeing it was almost kind of like one of those classic Shakespearean plays um, of sorts where you have these bloodlines, you have these feuding families, that sort of thing. And it was handled in a way that was just really mature. And like I said, like, like it wasn't like this movie could have so easily gone just pure action mm -hmm. and, and become very one dimensional. And I was so happy to see that the director didn't do that and instead introduced this wonderful world that just had, 
a lot of tradition. It was just very rich in just how they do things and watching what happens when that gets um, just thrown into chaos really. And seeing just, just kind of the, the, um, the mirrored effect when you have someone who comes to power that doesn't have the certain moral compass and ideals that um, the original Black Panther has when you compare the, um, him to Killmonger. Again, just there was a lot to love about it. I I really do agree. I think the special effects um, were not as as epic as we've come to expect from other Marvel movies. Um, however, I thought the music was fantastic. I thought Andy Serkis, you know, that he was someone that we didn't really talk about. Um, he was someone who really brought a new dimension to this, this film as well. And I was glad actually to see him period. Well, no, just, (laughs) I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but like, I, 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 I'll just put it this way. I really have enjoyed watching his character's arc. And I love how they brought him back in for this particular film to be able to talk to a lot of these characters who we are being introduced to for the first time. So anyway, that is my number five pick. I am pleased as punch that all three of us have the exact same pick. However, it makes me wonder, what does Bradley have for number four? Well, I guarantee my number four is not the same as either one of your number fours because I think I'm going to drop a movie on you that neither one of you has seen, and that was a film called Searching. I watched this one about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, in preparation of uh, of you know us sitting down and doing the top five because I'd heard so many good things about it. And Searching at, at a high level, it's a story about uh, a dad whose daughter goes missing, 16-year-old daughter goes missing. Uh, the dad is played by John Cho, and he's trying to recreate her life to figure out what might have happened to her. And what I loved about the movie is the entire movie is essentially shown through the technology and the screens that we live on today. So a lot of the movie, and it's hard to describe without actually seeing it, but a lot of the movie is, you know, you're looking at his laptop screen and he's chatting with people trying to figure out, okay, where was my daughter before she went missing? He's trying to get into her Facebook page and just the way that it incorporates the technology we use today to tell the story was fantastic. And it was just, it was a unique take on uh, telling a story about, about somebody trying to find a missing person. The story itself has some nice twists and turns. And I, I really enjoyed this movie. So I would highly recommend uh, if you haven't seen it or not familiar with it, look it up um, searching it is worth the hour and a half to uh, to watch it. It's a good one. It's a really good one. Yeah. I have not heard of that. Have you heard of that, Steve? I have not. Man, I'll, just, I'll just take a little look-see at that one. Steve. Yeah. What is your number four pick? My number four was Spider-Man Into the Lost Spider-Verse. Oh, okay. So, you know, I, I when I was making the list, I actually had Incredibles 2. As number four. Wipe that off the map, Russ. Wipe it off. Uh, So, yeah, no, I I came into the theater. I didn't know what to expect. I saw the preview of the movie, and that's about it. Some people liked it, and I heard talk about it, whatever. And, uh, no, yeah, so totally different take on 
the Spider-Man that I know, and it was fresh, and it was hip, and I love the music, and um, it's got the actor I love, whose name I can't pronounce, but he was in... Uh, <laughs> He was in, he's he's in House of Cards and he's in uh what's that movie with oh jeez it's the um oh I know who you're talking about and I I know what you mean yeah, his last his name's name Ali is, and the first name I can't even pronounce it Brad do you know how to pronounce his name correctly crickets um so I, I'm not even <laughs> sure who you're talking about there which character did he voice he's the he, he was the voice of the uncle Hmm. I, I I know the the name. I know I'm gonna just completely. Okay, I'm gonna find it now because now it's bugging me. Oh, Master Shala. He Ali. was on House of Cards. There you go. Uh, yep. There you go. Anyway, uh, loved him. Loved the music. Um, I I, I like the the young Spider Man and you know trying to figure out who he is, trying to do good, making made a promise to Peter Parker. Yeah, Peter, I'm I'm not gonna. Spoil it. I was just about to, Russ. I uh, caught myself. I, 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 I saw caught you. myself. Yeah. It was around the tip of your tongue. Um, <laughs> the, the only thing that has me holding back on putting it higher on the list was that there are parts of the story, I don't know, it kind of was a roller coaster for me. Like, I liked some parts of it a lot, and then other parts were like, what's happening in here, and why is it not taking a different loop? And I, uh, I'll just run with it fine. And then it got good, and then it got back to one of those, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But ultimately, it was a very fun experience. It was pleasurable. I I recommend other people to see it. Uh, if you're a fan of Spider-Man, you're gonna love it. Uh, of course, there's a little Stanley stuff in oh, there. Yeah. I mean, good grief, who's not gonna love that? My, I I got a little Twitter painted when I heard his voice again. Uh, I did too. You know what? Kind of made me wonder though if they really sampled his voice and digitally recreated it for the movie. Honestly, I think they probably had him record that a couple of years ago because a movie like that is in production for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Godly. Anyhow. But uh, so, yeah, no, I, I loved all the characters. I love how the story uh, you know, ended up. I did want more. But what they gave me, I had, I mean, I walked into the theater and without a clue of how it was going to be and walked out feeling good. Nice. Well, I'm glad to see that made it into your top five. For me, the top, let's see, my, my number four pick was, or I should say is, because I haven't even talked about it yet, <laughs> will be oh. Mission Impossible Fallout. <gasps> oh. Now, yes, I am very much impressed with this film. I have been a big fan of this reboot of sorts that they did um I can't remember if it was Ghost Protocol that was the first one, but they've had about four or five of them now. I think there were about six. I'm not. I'm not sure how many they've had, but like all the ones that they have done, um, I've been. I've just loved it. I thought for the longest time I was thinking, how on earth can they keep this thing fresh? Because the initial um, MI one, two, and three. They, they had each one had their own kind of style to it, but like you could tell like, okay, how are they going to make this interesting and continue to, to capture the, the audience's attention. And so I'm glad that they took us this whole thing into a, a whole new approach. And I think JJ Abrams is the, is the kind of the person to thank for this. But when it came to mission impossible fallout, I was so taken with the pacing of the film like that there was just this constant fast movement that didn't seem rushed 
there's, there's a difference between like just this acceptable fast paced feeling versus something that feels a little premature and rushed. And I really did love how they approached all of it. I thought the casting was perfect having um, Angela Bassett in there as well as, um, Oh my gosh, I told, <laughs> I blanked on his name. Uh, one of the brothers, he's the, oh, what is his name? <laughs> Alec Baldwin is Alec Baldwin? in Mission Impossible. Is that, it was Alec, it is Alec Baldwin. Yeah, there's so many Baldwins, but yeah, Alec Baldwin was in there and there, I don't know, like, I, and of course you can't forget Henry Cavill. And I think that this was a breakout role for Henry just because, of course, the only film that we've really seen him in is playing Superman, with the the, the exception, of course, being that one 60s spy mm-hmm. movie that I have not seen. I actually do want to see it. The Man from Uncle. Mm-hmm. Do want to see that. But I really wanted to see more from him. And I feel like this was a, a terrific opportunity for him to be able to demonstrate, hey, look, I can play a, um, a villain just as easy as I can play a protagonist. And I think that... Um, the, the, again, the visual spectacle, the way they went about this. Also, Tom Cruise, I mean, he did this while he was in his 50s. And the sheer, it sounds, it, it kind of sounds shallow at first glance, but like watching him do all of his own stunts is there's one thing to say that like in other movies, we're like, yeah, no, I did my own stunts. And you look at it, you're like, okay, well, you know, good for good you. Good for you, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you watch this film and it's like, the things he was doing, like I felt fear for his safety, even though this film had already been shot. We know that he survived for the most part. One of the, the <laughs> things he did, he, he I ended think up, he's still alive right? all the way. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the stunts he did, he ended up breaking his ankle. I know. And I mean, just, just you watch it. And like, again, that really adds to the movie experience for me just being in the theater. I was on the edge of my seat just simply because I'm, I know that the stuff that I'm watching is not CGI. It's not done by a stunt double. This is literally 50 something Tom Cruise doing these amazing stunts. And it just, I don't know. I just bought into the world. I was like this. Okay. I'm in, I'm good to go. And I know, I think I saw that movie like three or four times in the theater because it was just so entertaining and their ability to be able to constantly make these these fresh Mission Impossible movies over the last like four or five versions, so to speak, or episodes, um, I, I just I thought this was one of the best ones yet. I really love the the like I said, just just the the character arcs and the cast and crew for it. The music was fantastic. I mean, just it reminded me of what an action movie should be when you go to the theater. Cause everybody loves like a good quality action movie. That's like, you know, you're just there to just sit on the edge of your seat, popping some popcorn. You're not looking for like something super deep. You just want to be thrilled. And for me, that was it. That was what, what uh, number four came at for myself. So I like your number four. I I've got to say, I, I debated that movie quite a bit, putting it on my list. It ultimately was a, uh, you know, a just miss, but, I agree. I think everything you just said is right on. Mission Impossible Fallout was was a solid movie top to bottom. Uh, number three on my list. And I don't know if either one of you guys had a chance to watch this one in the theater. Hopefully one of you did. But uh, number three for me is the Emily Blunt movie I mentioned earlier. A Quiet Place. Um, have you? Oh, see, it's just it's not I have be seen the it. same. It's on my Netflix list. Watching yep. it at home yep. as watching it in a theater. Um, 
Well, you got you got to get like two hundred oh, of your well, closest friends. If I turn it up loud enough, it will be sit in the room <laughs> and be deadly <laughs> silent for an hour and a half, and, yeah. and that was the experience. And there, there's so many movies that we see nowadays where. Yeah, I can get the same experience sitting at home on my 4K TV with a Blu-ray or a 4K, you know, 4K Blu-ray with surround sound. And it's going to be the same watching it at home as it is in the theater. And I felt like A Quiet Place was the opposite of that, where so much of the experience of watching the movie was being in a room (laughs) with 100, 150 other people and nobody's making a noise. Because as you're watching this movie, as it's unfolding... There's tension. Any noise that's in the movie is, you know, it's a bad thing for these characters. And everybody in the audience is silent at the same time. So just the uh, that experience alone brought this movie up quite a bit for me. Really enjoyable. Yeah. And didn't the uh, didn't the main uh, actor direct it or or write it or something like that? Didn't I hear something about it? He did. John. Yeah, John Krasinski, who was uh, Jim on The Office, <laughs> is also the director of the movie. He's also Emily Blunt's yep. husband for, you know, useless trivia information there. Um, but uh, it's, I think the second movie he's directed, if I remember right, I think he did one other, but uh, did a great job. Um, you know, I, I really I just I loved the movie. I loved the experience of going to the movie. And that's why I put the A Quiet Place at number three. Very nice. Yeah. The, the quiet place that is see, <laughs> um, a quiet place was what mission impossible fallout was for you in terms of, of when you're trying to figure out like which films make it to your top five, like a quiet place mm-hmm. was that, that was the film for me. I'm like, ah, cause it, man, it was, I, I highly recommend that, 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 that movie is so intense. Like I, I would be willing to watch it with you, Steve, when you get it in, if you're interested in watching it together, I'll, I'd be down for watching it again. Sure thing. I, but you know, I think what you were referring to Brad is maybe everybody's being quiet and then wondering who's going to scream first when something happens, because I I've seen scary movies in a the theater and I'm like, okay, yeah, he's behind the door. You know, he's totally behind the door. And then what the, the, the movie creators will do is they'll think, okay, when the scary part happens, we're going to put a sound of an elephant, a T-Rex, a race car, and pigs being slaughtered all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> they'll do that. And then someone goes like, ah! And the theater, I'm like, yep, that that person right down there, third row to the row. Yeah, a few five seats to the right. Yep. Yeah, I, I saw you right there. I'm telling you, I I think one of the things that makes this movie so original is that, um, hence the name A Quiet Place, mm-hmm. the movie itself um for the most part is actually very, mm-hmm. very quiet. And there's, there's a purpose for that. I'm not going to go into the, oh, the yeah. nitty gritty because you need to watch yeah, it for yourself. I figured there would be a purpose. Um, it is what makes it so unique is that it does not do what a lot of these other kind of like survival thriller, not really. I mean, it's, I, I wouldn't classify this as a horror movie, but it is like survival thriller kind of thing. Uh, I, I, I don't, I think that that their whole approach is very different and it adds to the intensity because it's not, I know what you're talking about with regards to like, you know, they'll have something jump out and they'll do some sort of crazy loud noise and that sort of thing. And like this film has a couple of those moments, but 90% of the film, actually a lot of the intensity comes from other things that just kind of build upon themselves. So anyway, 
We yep. will watch it. We'll watch it together. No. Yeah. Steve. What? What is your number three pick? <clears throat> well, Russ, um, I am picking up where you're throwing down, and I have Mission Impossible Fallout oh! as number three. Now, I kind of fell off the bandwagon with the Mission Impossibles. I mean, I started, it, it kind of all started to be the same thing with the same action. You know, who, what popular band's going to play the Mission Impossible theme song, whatever, whatnot. So this one came out and I thought, eh, all right, here we go. Mission Impossible. We've got to talk about something on the podcast, so let's go see it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, went in the theater and, um, yeah, no, I mean, Tom Cruise was amazing in it. I thought the story was good. I, I, it felt like a proper, um, like, action movie, not set for a 16-year-old to come, you know, just be, do something with their time in the movie, <laughs> you know? Right. But, I mean, like, for uh, an older age group to appreciate the action and and the, the experience of older actors, um, you know, there wasn't some chick just thrown in there for sex appeal. The, the, the women were intelligent and... Beautiful. <laughs> I forgot the. I mean, I, I swear I'm terrible at names, Russ, but I forgot the actress's name. That was uh, the lady who was the love interest of Tom, uh, the of Tom Cruise at, at the end. Are you talking about his wife? No, there was his wife. Oh, well, yeah, his wife. Yeah, wife. But the the other girl. Yeah, you're talking about the other love interest who was right. kind of a, a an elite assassin. Of yeah, sorts. no, I I like the whole play between uh, them. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, Tom Cruise learned how to fly a helicopter in this thing. So there's like no co-pilot in the helicopter. That's Tom Cruise, like spiraling that thing out of control. So he could have died, Russ. He could have just freaking <laughs> died in the movie for our measly 10 bucks we go to watch it. So, uh, yeah, I didn't know what was going to happen in the movie. And so it had me on the edge of my seat. Usually I can kind of figure out what's going to happen and, and, uh, whatever, whatnot. So all the action, the cinematography, was amazing. All the little high def GoPros or whatever they had on there to, to, to film the action sequences were fantastic. And um, yeah, no, I, I I left the theater feeling great. Awesome. My number three pick for 2018 is The Incredibles 2. And this was a movie I have been waiting for forever to come out. I can't even remember when the first one was released. I want to say it was probably... At least 10 years ago. I'll look it up here for you, Russ. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, please look that up as I am uh, gushing about this film. The, the, the original Incredibles, which was directed by Brad Bird, who I absolutely love his work. He did the Iron Giant. He's also done the Incredibles. And I, it was, oh, do you have it? 2004. 2004. Okay. So yeah, it's been... My goodness, 14 years? Is that right? I thought that the, the original Incredibles was a wonderful departure from the formula that Pixar had created for itself. And that formula was the buddy system. So whether it was Buzz Lightyear and Woody, or it was Mike Wazowski and Sully, or it was um, Dory and I can't remember. Marlon. The, Marlon, thank you. Thank you, yep. They had found this kind of buddy formula where it was just these two characters who play off each other. They have their own kind of eccentric personality traits and that sort of thing. And 
I I am not complaining. I always love those. I think that each one of the, those types of movies were, were just a blast to watch. And I love the storytelling, that sort of thing. But The Incredibles, what makes them so unique is that having a fresh director come in like Brad Bird, because Brad Bird is not part of the Pixar stable. He's kind of more of a special guest director of sorts. It was really fun to have him play in the Pixar sandbox and be able to mess around with all these different characters, introduce this whole new, like fully realized world. And again, it it was, it was kind of this stylized version of reality. And I loved how they took kind of the, the fifties and sixties style of things. And they, they incorporated that into their line art. And then of course, when it comes to the, the CG of things, all the characters were these 3d versions of a lot of what kind of popular art styles were in existence back in the day. I, and I just, I love the family dynamics too. I loved how these were superheroes who were original and they had their own kind of conflicts that they were having to deal with being secret identities and, and that sort of thing. And with the Incredibles too, the Incredibles too, literally, I'm so glad this was, this was literally like a Peter Jackson two towers moment where he started the second Incredibles off right when the first one ended. And it was, it was, you know, it just reminded me of like when you begin the two towers and how it's right when Gandalf is falling in the mines of Moria and he's fighting that huge, was it a Balrog? Is that what what they're called? Yes, it is. Oh, Steve's having to think. Yeah. My goodness. I have two Lord of the Rings mega fans (laughs) with me and both of them had to have pregnant pause. Oh, I was unmuting. (laughs) Yes, it's a Balrog. (laughs) It's a Balrog. Okay. Anyway. Yes. Anyway, I absolutely love when directors have the foresight to be able to just just dive the audience right back into this world. No apologies. There's no kind of lead up or hand holding. It's like, no, if you didn't watch the first one, that's your problem. We're going to go right into this and just, you know, let's just have some fun with it. And I think that that was just fantastic with Incredibles 2 was the storyline began to examine more family dynamics where suddenly the the wife was going out and being the breadwinner, so to speak, whereas Frank was, was having to experience more of what it was like to be a stay at home parent. I love seeing all of, of the, the journeys with that, as well as returning characters like Edna Moe coming back in. I thought the villain was pretty um, original as well. I, I liked a lot of the, the dynamics between the siblings and that sort of thing on that side of the equation. But the whole time I'm watching it, I mean, I, I almost, it was almost like a dreamlike state for me simply because I had been waiting so long to watch this movie and they gave it the same level of TLC that they gave the first one. And I was just, I remember turning to you, Steve, in the theater and just whispering to you like, man, I can, I'm in awe of this. This is amazing because some of the camera angles that they were doing and the with the characters were just, I mean, remember how they, they were just moving about so effortlessly and fluid. I mean, I, I totally forgot I was watching a 3D animation and it, it just, I don't know. I was just on this, this, this amazing Incredibles ride. It was an incredible ride, Steve. <laughs> so yeah, that was my number three pick. Very, very happy. I sincerely hope that they continue to make more sequels of this particular franchise, because I think it would be just be a waste. And I hope that they don't wait another 10 to 14 years to come out with Incredibles part three. 
And if they do, they need to finish up the Underminer story. <laughs> yes. Because they brought him in the first one, and they brought him back in the second one. Oh, he got away again. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, that that is another quality of the world that Brad Bird created where it wasn't just, oh, here's this one singular villain or whatever, and they dispatched of him and then they live happily ever after. Like I loved how the first one ended where there was a tease of sorts where there was yet another villain that came out of nowhere. And, and just, I don't know, it's like, it just, it plays into that idea of this living, breathing world that's filled with all kinds of possibilities in terms of creative storytelling. So anyway, let us go into our number two pick. Bradley, what is your number two? So my number two was actually my number one up until about a week ago. And we'll we'll talk about that when I get to my number one. But my number two is Annihilation. Annihilation. Have I Annihilation with Natalie what? Portman. Sci-fi movie. I loved it. I loved it from start to finish. I didn't know what to expect. This was another one where I had some friends recommend it to me and I knew nothing about it going in. Hadn't even watched a trailer. Is this out right now or was this out earlier? Oh, this is on video. It came out beginning of the year, April, March, something like that. Um, February 23rd looks like it came out. So it's, it's a sci-fi movie. I don't even want to say too much about it because you're better off just going into it, uh, not knowing anything And like I said, I loved it from start to finish. It was beautifully acted. Some of the scenery was amazing. It's got a twist of an ending that just caught me. Um, I, like I said, it was my number one up until about a week ago when something took its place. I absolutely loved Annihilation. Wow. That, okay. I, I, I I am uh, surprised. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It took me a minute because I was like, man, uh, I know it sounds like vaguely familiar, but yeah, it came out during the first part of the year. It did. And I actually, I will tell you, I talked with our good friend, Chris Pelfrey, and he also had this as his number one for the year. So it's not just me. I'm not crazy. Wow. He uh, he and I were on the same page with this. I, you know, I have to admit when I saw the the trailers for it, it did not capture my interest at all. It, it just seemed really generic, I guess you could say. Like I, I hmm. I'm a fan of Natalie Portman's, but like when I, I saw it, I was like, oh, man, I'm gonna, I, there's nothing here that's, that's promoting me to see, but man, both you guys are, have high praise for it. That's yeah, absolutely saying something for sure. So there you go. Over to you, Steve. What do you have at your uh, number two? Well, I have Deadpool 2 as my number two. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Good old Deadpool. Good old Deadpool. So I went into the theater and I thought, well, they got to recreate the magic of the first one or else this is going to fall flat on its face. Which wouldn't be the first time that Deadpool fell flat or, on his face. Yes, or got sliced in half or yes. whatever. Or, or dismembered. But, uh, yes. So, uh, yeah, no, I, it, it definitely was not as good as the first, but definitely still held the magic. Um, I thought it was funny. I thought Ryan Reynolds was great. I thought Josh Brolin was great as Cable. Um, I did want a little bit more from from Josh Brolin, but because he went right from Infinity War to this or vice versa, whatever, I mean, he had both characters down, and I thought that was awesome. Uh, I loved the action, and uh, 
I thought it was <laughs> it was fun having uh what was it um Domino. I thought Domino mm-hmm. was awesome. Um, almost made the movie just by herself. I thought all the interaction with the characters was fantastic. I thought it was really funny and uh, it made me want a third one. I mean, you know, when you start to make these sequels, that's a real gamble. I mean, they're, they're going to be keeping it the, the fire strong or they're going to be like, yeah, okay, this is uh, just a money grab. And I didn't think it was a money grab at all. I thought it was uh, really good and I can't wait for Deadpool 3. Awesome. Well, my number two pick was, I said was again in the past tense. I've got to correct my past versus present (laughs) tense. My number two pick is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which of course I just saw tonight. What a risk. I mean, we've, we've talked about this earlier about different types of films that take risks. And I think that this is a yet another film that took a major risk when they decided to have multiple spider people in the same film. And I think especially because the, the, uh, the classic original Spider-Man has really been the, the pinnacle of sorts when it comes to comic book to movie translations, obviously Spider-Man was the first to come out back in 2002. Was it? I believe was the first one, 2001, 2002. And so there, there was a lot, I think, writing on this just simply because a lot of folks, they, they just don't read the comic books. They only go to the movies. And even for someone like myself, like I enjoy reading The Amazing Spider-Man, but I'm not into collecting every single Spider-Man comic book that's out there. And of course, as a result, I didn't have any kind of idea of the details surrounding the Spider-Verse and that sort of thing. But I think that there are major kudos that need to go to Sony. Um, I think that the, the art direction in particular is a massive step in the right direction in terms of just what is possible for a movie. I think that this type of thing you would come to expect almost from like a video game. Like if you're watching a video game cinematic or even like a, a certain art style that the game engine can do for a particular title, I think that those types of things um, you don't really see a whole lot in film. And I'm especially when it, when it comes to 3d animation, there's, there's kind of this comfort zone of sorts and it doesn't matter if it's DreamWorks or it's Pixar or Disney or illumination, anyone, they have found this, this kind of safety net of sorts where they are able to animate everything in a very similar fashion and it's all very high quality. I'm definitely not complaining about it, but I think what's super cool about watching this particular film is you got a glimpse as to see what else was possible with how this movie is portrayed, whether it's a drop in frames per second, or it's adding in 2d elements with the 3d elements, as well as the framing where they, they were clearly taking certain layout designs of traditional comic books and applying them in a film like this. That was a lot of fun. Also too, with the characters, Obviously, I don't read the or follow the Spider-Gwen storyline as well as uh, Peter Porkins or even the I can't remember the name of the the film noir version of Spider-Man. But I found myself really just having a blast with all the different characters that were in this, even the villains themselves. I mean, just all of them were, were very captivating and it was just a, a fresh take on on the whole thing. And I, I really want to um see some sort of 
ongoing series with this. I don't know like like how it's going to do with uh, just the, the critical acclaim and, and just with uh, the profits that they're going to make. But I'm so happy to see an animation studio like Sony, which Sony is not exactly known for their high-end movie animations. I mean, Sony as a as a movie studio, I just, that's not my go-to as opposed to like Disney or Illumination or some of the others that I mentioned. So yeah, I, th- there's just a lot to take in with that. Um, honestly, I, I really struggled to find something that I, that I didn't like as much. I think if, if I had to pick something about the film, it's just, I want to know more about these individual characters, which of course I could do if I went into the, the comic book side of things. But at the same time, I just, I felt that the the pacing was quick. The dialogue was original and sharp. I loved finding out about Miles Morales' um, family history and, and just getting to know the different characters, the tragedy that ha- would happen here and there, as well as the, the budding bond that was going on between all the different spider folk, so to speak. So that gets my number two pick. We are now at the numero uno phase of our round robin. Bradley, what is your number one pick for 2018? You know, I, I think this actually might be, other than Black Panther, this might be the only movie on all three of our lists. My number one is Into the Spider-Verse. And uh, before I echo a lot of the same sent- sentiments you and Steve have had on the movie, let me just pose this question. So Into the Spider-Verse, the story and the script was written by a guy named Phil Lord, who really got his big break with the Lego movie. After the Lego movie, he, he and his partner were hired to write and direct Solo, a Han Solo story. Mm. Imagine a world where he had been Imagine given a world. the appropriate controls to create the Han Solo story that he wanted to create. So that's all. Has he been on record as saying that? Well, I mean, he basically, I mean, he and Kathleen Kennedy did not see eye to eye and that, that is why he was dismissed and play it safe. Ron Howard was put in place for, uh, for solo. Wow. Yeah. I remember that. So that's, uh, you know, I, I do think sometimes what would solo have been if Phil Lord were given the creative controls and told, Hey, go out there and make a fun Han Solo origin movie. Um, because seeing what he did with Spider-Man into the spider verse and the Lego movie, which I don't know if you guys have watched that one, that that movie's amazing yeah. for what yep. it was. Um, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about Spider-Man into the spider verse. So this is one I had everybody I know who'd seen this saying, Oh my God, it's great. You've got to go see it. You've got to go see it. It's better than you expect. I went in with sky high expectations and it blew me away, even with those expectations. Um, I loved everything about this movie, the music, the visuals, the story, the twists, the turns. I I cannot say enough great things about Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. To me, by far, this is the best Spider-Man movie that we've gotten. Um, It it surpasses Homecoming. It surpasses Spider-Man 2. I loved this movie. Um, The moment where Miles first, you know, when he finally takes the leap of faith and jumps off the building to become Spider-Man, 
I, you know, it's pulling at the heartstrings and it's just, you know, I, I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting emotional watching this guy live up to what he could live up to. So, um, anybody who has not seen this, go see it. it it's a movie that's worth supporting. It's good storytelling, well animated, amazing music. It is worth the 12 bucks or whatever it is to go see a movie in your town. Go see Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Right on. Very nice. Steve, <clears throat> what is your number one pick? I'm saying uh, Avengers of Infinity War, Russ. <laughs> you look like you struggled with that yeah, a little bit. Yeah, no. Um, you know, so that's the movie that uh, I walked into, pounding headache right after work, traffic, getting lost on my way there. Um, so I was already... PO'd and by the end, <laughs> by the end of the movie, I didn't even want to leave the theater. I thought, play the movie again. I'm ready to sit here and and watch the entire thing again. And I can't say that for any other movie that I've seen this year or last year. Almost pretty much probably since uh, Blade Runner. Uh, not not even with Blade Runner. I mean, it's been a long time since I've since I've sat in a theater and thought that like play the movie all over again. I'm not moving. Um, I thought that. Um, uh, Josh Brolin, like I said earlier, did a great job. Uh, I thought the the, the animation for uh, his character was probably the best I've seen for a full CG character with uh, the weight distribution and how and the movement and and, and um, uh, you know the way he voiced over uh, the character and with with the the facial animations with that I thought that was the best I've seen. Uh, I thought I didn't know how they were going to do with all the characters on screen and all their stories coming together. I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, or if it could even be pulled off with so much going on with this one movie and they did it. Um, I mean, they're on their, what was, I think it was the 19th movie, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Yeah. And they brought everything together like perfectly. I thought, I mean, they, they accomplished so much with this one movie. I didn't, I didn't know how it was going to be possible. I really didn't. I mean, the trailers look great. Um, you know, we've been following all these stories and for a little, for a while, I was getting a little bit nervous because they started bringing all the kind of the wonky humor in there. And I thought they can't do that with this movie at all. And they didn't. So just like Brad said with uh, Spider-Man and the end of the Spider-Verse, I came into it like, you guys got to hit a home run here. And my expectations are high. And they went right to my expectations. And I loved them for it. And I still, I mean, that's what's, I've kept that all the way until now. And I, that's what's going to drive me to, to spend more money watching Captain Marvel. I'm, I'm taking everyone I know with me, which is very little, uh, <laughs> and, to the, and to the theater with me to see the next Avengers movie. And I have not stopped thinking about it. Fan freaking fantastic. Uh, yeah. My, my number one pick for 2018, same as you, it is Avengers infinity war. What a, a crowning achievement in cinema. I have got to say the, when I, when I watched that film, I was reminded of why I go to the theater. I think that there were just insurmountable amount of expectations that were placed on this film as they continued to build upon the release of it over the past 10 years and having the sheer amount of cast members in this movie and the, the need to be able to deliver on all fronts that doesn't seem muddied or contrived or anything to that, that effect. The Russo brothers came in and just absolutely 
knocked it out of the park. I cannot believe the level of excellence that they were able to achieve with this movie. And it's, it's just, I mean, I saw that movie several times in the theater when it was, when it was out and I just, I could not believe, I just literally could not believe what I was seeing in front of my face. And it is such a culmination of, of just, I mean, I remember back being in junior high, being in like seventh grade and having these nerdy conversations with my friends who were also comic book lovers. And we were fantasizing about what it was like to be able to go into a theater and look at some of these comic book characters come to life on the big screen, but do so in a way that was mature, that like had just this, this amazing presence. And here I am several years later, just basking in the golden years that it is the, these comic book movies and th- this particular film in particular, what I find to be so special about it was that my favorite character was the villain. That's the, the craziest thing about this particular movie is you have all of these triple a characters that have come together and they're all wonderful to watch. But the character that I found to be most fascinating was Thanos seeing the character development within this movie. Cause we saw glimpses of him here and there briefly at the end of, of other films, but watching and learning about who Thanos is and how he's just this very demented general of sorts, kind of an intergalactic general who really does think that he's doing the universe a favor by going on this maniacal quest for the gauntlet and everything else. And the fact that we know that like the, the movie itself is not over that we have part two coming out next year. It's, it is, I mean, I loved everything. I loved how it ended. I loved just all the in between um, parts of it. The, again, just the, the music, the wardrobe, all that stuff. I mean, it, it comes together and I just could not believe that we have a movie of this caliber within this genre. And it, like I said earlier, I mean, it, it is such a crowning achievement, not only for the Russo brothers, but also Kevin uh, Feige, who just, he, he leads the Marvel cinematic universe. Um, such it's, you know, it's, I almost have trouble finding the words to be able to adequately describe. It blows your mind. It really does. I mean, like it it is, it is completely and utterly mind blowing to go and watch that movie and just see, I mean, even, even the, the characters like from guardians of the galaxy, like once I, like what I said earlier, I never read the comic book, but I fell in love with these characters based off of these movies that they had come out with earlier seeing all these characters like Spider-Man along with the, um, the Avengers and, and guardians of the galaxy coming together with Dr. Strange. I mean, like you, you just have this huge, just uh, <laughs> assembly of, uh, of these characters that actually don't step on each other's toes, have wonderful chemistry with each other. They're able to shine during their own individual parts. I, I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's just, I'm not, and I know for a fact that I'm not even beginning to give the necessary uh, compliments and uh, critique for that film. But that that type of film, I mean, and I remember when we reviewed it, 
I, I placed that film at the level of, of Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. And Empire Strikes Back is one of my all-time favorite movies. Like that, that, is, that is a very rare occurrence for someone like myself to be able to place a movie at that level of quality. Because Empire Strikes Back in my book is basically a, a, it's, it's a perfect film. So anyway, having said that, I think that it, it, it goes without saying that actually even the, the, the movies that didn't make necessarily our top five, I mean, there were ones that, that um, Brad, I know that, that you mentioned as well as Steve that were very close that I just, I couldn't put into my top five, but I think that it, it, it's important to note that even last week when we talked about how 2018 was arguably probably one of the best years of gaming, I really do think that 2018 in terms of movie watching, you had a very strong lineup that maybe not was was dropping all throughout the year, but just there were several titles that have come out that were just a lot of fun to watch. It really brought me back into the theater and I mean, that, that just, I don't know, 2018 and when it comes to games and movies, I think is, is just a, a banner year. What do you guys think? Well, may, for games, for sure. Movies, a little bit of a toss up. Um, that I had some higher expectations for some movies. Like, for example, you, you liked um, Incredibles 2 a lot more than I did. Um, I did enjoy the movie, but it did leave some stuff to be desired for me. Um, and I was looking through the list of movies that we saw. And yeah, you know, it, it was a, a good year, but I didn't think it was uh, a great year. Okay. What about you, Brad? You know, I, I tend to agree with Steve. I think uh, Incredibles 2 is a perfect example of a movie that I had sky high expectations for. And it was fine. Forgettable is probably the word I would use to describe Incredibles 2. Um, you know, I, I will say, and I have to put my little disclaimer I debated Avengers. It was kind of my number. It debate. It went anywhere from number three to number six on my list. It ended up just missing my top five really only because I feel like it was half a movie. I still feel like we haven't seen the whole story unfold when it comes to the, the, you know, Avengers versus Thanos. And, you know, I need to see the, the second half of this before I determine, you know, where this fits into my list, but uh, fantastic movie. Um, you know, as I mentioned, kind of before I started with my top five, you know, the best media experience I had from watching this year was actually on TV. And, you know, that that's a shift because 10 years ago, I never would have said that I, it was the movie theater. It was going to going to the cinema and getting that uh, that excitement and being caught up in the zeitgeist of talking about a movie right when it comes out. And I feel like stories are better on TV right now. It, it's, you know, the, the biggest example I've got or the greatest example I've got there is the haunting of Hill house on Netflix. Um, I have never been as engrossed with a story as I was watching the 10 episodes of that show. Um, there are two episodes right in the middle of the series that I, I'm just sitting there with my mouth open the entire time going, Oh my God, how did they pull that off? You know, there's one episode in particular where this hour long episode where you've got time jumps and different actors coming and going, it's made up of made up of a series of like four or five single shot, single tracking um, shots. And 
There's one that goes like 17 minutes and you go back and forth between two different timelines. Actors are trading in and out. There's a storm going on. It's incredibly intense and emotional. And the fact that they pulled this off in a single like 17 minute shot, it's mind boggling. And, you know, being able to sit at home and watch something like that on Netflix is it's changed the way stories are told today. So um, that would be my last plug would be, you know, if you're going to watch something or if you want to watch something that's just fantastic, watch The Haunting of Hill House, because that was by far the best piece of media put on uh, put on screens this year. Um, but I mean, it was to me, it was a fine year for movies, just not movies aren't what they were 10 years ago. And that's probably a conversation we could, you know, we could save for another episode of Joygasm where we could compare 2008, 2007 with what we get out of movies these years or what we get out of a movie season these years. And I, I, it just doesn't compare. Um, the storytellers and the actors have, have started to tell their, tell their stories in different ways. And a lot more of it's going direct to TV. So it's a shift. It's a shift. No, I think that that's a a very astute observation because I agree. I think that a lot of your super talented script writers and screenplay writers, they are making the transition into TV. And especially when it comes to Netflix and Amazon, they're throwing a lot of serious dollars at folks in Hollywood to be able to lure them over and be able to work on their content. And you're seeing the fruits of their labor, um, just just like what you're talking about. So yeah, I, I think that perhaps in the, in the future we should have you come back on the show and we can be able to, to dive deeper into that because I do think that there is quite a bit that we could analyze as it applies to both the, the movie industry versus the, the television industry. Cause even, you know, back, back in the day too, the, the TV industry was really suffering there for a Absolutely. while. It, it just could not hold a candle to cinema. And yeah, I, I'm inclined to, um, agree for the most part. I think that television has really risen back from the ashes to the point where there is a lot more um, just original storytelling opportunities there as opposed to what you see in, in yep, the cinema. I agree. So, anyway, I want to um, definitely thank you, Brad, for coming on for part two of this. So, we will, like I said, we will definitely have you back if. You would, uh, you know, if if you're interested, you know, if you want to come back in. Oh, of course. Anytime you know that. Oh, thank you. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week for our anticipated games of 2019. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn Radio. Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud.com slash TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will see you next week. See you, everybody. See you, Brad. Bye.